Good morning. I'm Pastor Doug. Um, many of you know me. Uh, uh, Daniel is leading the meeting across the way, so you get me. I hope that's a good thing. So, um, just wait till the end. Just wait till the end. All right, don't, don't overcommit. So, um, what I will tell you, though, is the earlier, the uh, 9.30 service got out 11 minutes early. But you know what? I've added a story. So, so this morning, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to continue to talk about Jonah. Many of us, especially if we grew up doing church, uh, had different kind of levels of exposure to the Jonah story, right? Either vacation Bible school or Sunday school or this or that. But I'm uh, willing to bet that most of us have a limited understanding of Jonah, and that it has to do with a guy who was supposed to go someplace but didn't, and he ended up in the belly of a well, and so forth and so on, and let's go to snack, right? That was kind of the whole, you know, we really kind of enjoyed this, this idea of living in the belly of a well. Well, what we're going to talk about this morning is a little bit of uh, the Jonah that I think resides in all of us. I pulled up myancestry.com, and he, he doesn't appear uh, in our DNA pool, but he has some similarities that I know I have, and I'm uh, wondering if you have as well. One of the main ones being, have you ever felt like, and, and we all experience this kind of holy tug in a lot of different ways, but that perhaps God wanted you in your life to go one way, and you were like, you know what, I'll, I'll get right back with you, and you headed the total opposite way. Has anybody else done that in here besides me? I did it when I was uh, about 18. I had, uh, I'd been super active. I was very much a, a, a churchy kind of kid and uh, was in the throes of trying to decide that big question all 18-year-olds try to decide. What am I going to be when I grow up? Where do I want to go to school? And, and this and that. And uh, some of you will find this humorous, but I had been accepted to go to uh, Stephen F. Austin College in the town of Nacogdoches, and I was going to be an early... Uh, tree hugger. I was uh, very much into nature and environmental issues and all of that, and I really, I really didn't know anything about it. I just kind of looked through and thought, well, that sounds kind of cool, you know, how a lot of us make big life decisions, right? Uh, but in the meantime, God had other plans, and I'll shorten this story just to say that God said, no, I think, I, I think you need to go do this, this being uh, pastoral ministry. And I made a deal with God that I said, okay, here's this was my Jonah moment. I said, I'll do that uh, if you just use me in youth ministry. Don't ever ask me to, uh, these were my qualifiers. Um, this was the fine print that God said, yeah, no. Uh, don't ask me to marry people or bury people, especially the burying. I'm like, I'm out on that, God. And don't ask me to preach. I don't really want to get up in front of people. I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe. I was really shy. I had a list. I just was very intimidated by the fact of being up in front of people, and heaven forbid that I would ever go, uh, in my mind, if you said yes to God to be in ministry, you always ended up in Africa. <laughs> I don't know why we go to the furthest, worst, scariest thing, right? But so, uh, God kind of chuckled and was like, sure. Anyway, here I am, I, I marry and I bury, I preach, and lo and behold, five years ago, went to Africa. So, 
I have learned better to not say, God, I won't. But Jonah hadn't had that yet, that experience yet. So uh, Jonah chapter one, glasses. Uh, this is how Jonah got to where he is. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So if you missed last week, that's, that's how we got to where we are. God had called upon Jonah to go to Nineveh and set them straight, share God's uh, judgment, and or if they, you know, said, okay, there is uh, redemption and love. Jonah said, hmm, I don't think so. So Jonah went down to the port, got on a boat, going the opposite way. Y'all know the rest of the story, right? Great big sea, great big ocean. I mean, storm came up. The sailors looked around. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It must be your fault. Jonah ends up in the ocean. One of God's acts of mercy, what came along and got Jonah. Big fish. Uh, Jonah hung out in the belly of the fish for a couple days. Thought, you know what? Maybe I could, maybe there's another way to do this. Prayed to God for help and hope. Got spit out. And now here we are today, sitting on the beach with Jonah, trying to figure out what's up. Let me tell you another little tidbit that's important to know. Um, Nineveh, what's the big deal about Nineveh? Ninevites were Jonah and his people's arch enemies. They were Assyrians who had, in the years before that, uh, overthrown Israel, had gone into Israel, uh, killed people, looted, took uh, slaves, and pretty much had their way with that country. And now this is where God is saying to Jonah, hey, remember those horrible, no good, very bad people? I want you to go share my love with them. Now you see why Jonah wasn't too excited about going there, right? While we're dredging all this up this morning, I want you to think about, because I'm going to ask you later on, who is your Nineveh? Who are your Ninevites? Who is it that is in your gut that maybe God is saying, you know what, I'd really like you to go sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. Think on that. Chapter 3, if you've got your Bible on your phone or the old-fashioned kind, or I think we have them in the pew. Listen up. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I will tell you. Great. Why did he call it a great city? Did it have to do with the people in it? No. That was the word used for the size of Nineveh, the size of Nineveh. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. If you don't know how to measure it, you measure it in how much time it takes to get across, right? So that must be a pretty big town if it takes three days to walk across it. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk. All right, if it takes three days to get across and he's gone one day, how far in has he gone? A third of the way. Who knew you'd have to do math this morning, right? Fractions. I hate them. So he's a little ways into town and he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Count up how many words that is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shortest sermon, even shorter than Pastor Doug's. Uh, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small 
put on sackcloth. Eight-word sermon from Jonah to the people who he despised, and they immediately turned. Probably, on record, the shortest evangelical revival kind of sermon with the greatest response. Go figure. Now, listen up. I want you to listen to the extent of the repentance. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Sackcloth would be like if you were putting on a a robe of burlap. All right? Not a good thing. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal nor herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. All right. No human being or animal, no herd or flock, All the animals were even covered with sackcloth. Really? wonder why the author put that in there. What do you think? What's the point he's trying to make? Everybody changed their mind? Everybody turned and repented? I mean, come on now. Do you want to be in charge of putting the sackcloth on the cows? I mean, there might be some occasions in the Bible where there is a little bit of humor and illustration to make the point of the extreme nature of the repentance, okay? When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me in a prayer. Gracious God, we hear your word. Help it be more than words in our mind. Help it penetrate our hearts. In your name, amen. All right, church, what's, what's really going on here? Is this really a story about a, a guy in the belly of a well? Is it maybe about our resistance to, A, go where God might us to go and extend mercy like God extends mercy to others? Have you been thinking who your Ninevites are? Who are the people in your life that, man, they really kind of are under my skin and, it probably would be a, a good idea if I quit disliking and resenting them, but I get kind of a, a warm fuzzy thinking how much I hate them. <laughs> Those of you who are laughing have someone like that, right? <laughs> who is it that is just that person that we don't want to extend mercy to? Let me look, give you a little uh, dictionary definition of mercy. A love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. Unmerited. Unmerited. That, that might be the, uh, the key word in that sentence, right? What does it mean to merit something? You have earned it. You deserve it. There is something you did that is known in culture or other ways that shows that you You deserve, you get what you have coming. But also, we who are judging each other say either, well, she deserves what she got, or he doesn't deserve 
right? We become the arbitrator of deserving. Is that our place? When we are not our healthiest, yeah, we wallow in being the kings and queens of who deserves and doesn't deserve what, right? Man, it's hard to, I think especially in our culture of the last five or ten years, we have created good guys and bad guys, what I call the them, they, those, you know, those people, you know, they, and we have created this cloud of suspicion and doubt and unknowing, all because fear, well, fear creates this energy in us to mobilize. I don't know that that is consistent with what God had in mind for us. So, let me ask you another question. How many of us, um, and this is not a trick because it's, I, I fall in this gap too. I really, I, every day I want to aspire, I aspire to be the best Christian I can be. Do most of y'all do that? It's not a trick. You can say yes. Nobody's, I mean, you're, you're kind of on the hook if you say yes. I think we all do. Most of the time in most of the places want to be the person God designed us to be. But every now and then we walk into a situation like this that, hey, be careful what you say. Doug, Pastor Doug's about to set us up. Uh, so there are things that happen in our lives and we hold on to the hurt or anger or resentment. And as the old saying goes, how's that working out for you? And how does that align with the greater picture of God's love for you and God's intention for you to share that love with others. Well, let's look at the fine print. There's a story in Matthew, a parable. There are two. If you want to turn with me over to Matthew 18, it's on page 1187 in my Bible. Does that help you all in any way, shape, or form? I said that to the early service, and they just not snoozed right through it. And I, I personally thought that was very funny. I was like, work with me, people. Come on. So here's the parable. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 10,000 talents was a ton of money, kind of like winning the lottery. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children, all his possessions, and payment then was to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. But the same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii would be like if you had change in your pocket, just little or nothing. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay me what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. But he refused, then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? Anybody relate to that story? There is a... Um, 
There's a dance we do with this idea of mercy. We are more than happy to what? Pile it on, Lord. Pile it on, friends. But then when it comes time for us to reciprocate, like, well, that's just not so fast. I really think maybe you owe me. You know, there's another story. We're not going to read it in detail, but a parable in Matthew 20 where a, a vineyard owner needs some work to be done. So he gathers up some workers, some laborers, and uh, agrees upon a salary. Some of them show up early in the morning. Some couldn't make it till noontime, and some got there just before closing. But when he came time to dole out the pay, they all got the same amount. Ooh, what do you think the ones who'd been there all day said? They don't what? They don't, the D word, deserve it. The owner of the land said, but didn't I pay you what we agreed to be paid? Well, yes. But what about them? Them, they, those. Those people. He's like, well, that's between me and them. This is, do we do that? Do you ever do that? Do you ever kind of hold the scales of justice in your own hand and put the finger on it just a little bit or lessen up? You know, it seems to me, and I'm no psychologist, I probably need one, but um, it seems as though what we have to peel back here are the layers of the human condition about what it is, what in our psyche urges, pushes, gets some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling out of holding that over other people. You know what I'm saying? What, what is it in us that feels, do we feel safer? Do we feel more content? Do we feel good? What is it we feel when we have a resentment or an anger or something that we know is just not helping us in any way, shape, or form, but we hold it over and against another person? What are we getting out of that? Why do we do that? I'm waiting. I don't have the answer. I think, um, I think there is something that's not our best selves when we do that. I don't know if we feel better about ourselves or we just feel like, so I'm gonna tell you a little story that I'm not real proud of. So a long time ago, a land far away, all of a sudden this great big church said to me, you know what, we really like you, but we can't afford to pay you anymore, so today's your last day, thank you, goodbye. And it was very kind of just perfunctory, just like, what? <laughs> I'm one of your pastors, you can't just let me go. Yes, thank you very much, You've, it's been really nice working with you, but today's your last day. And, um, all of who I was was wrapped up in that. I mean, I had like hanging on the back of my office door, kind of like super pastor cape, everything. You know, you called me. I was there for you. I did your weddings. I did your funerals. I did this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, in one fell swoop, thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to leave your key when you're going out the door. Man, I... Has anybody in here ever been let go? Divorced from kick to the curb. There's all sorts of other words. It, it was a pain that pierced my tender little Dougie Meyer heart. And it got through all of my chubby belly and it sat in there for the longest time. And I would drive by that big church and I would just stare at it thinking I had laser beams to like knock over its steeple or, or you know, like break windows or... I was not very Christian. I, I wished like locusts and plagues and all of that on them because they had hurt me and uh, I did that for an unhealthy amount of time until one day I finally listened either to what I was preaching or somebody else. And was like, oh, yeah, 
That sounds like a good idea. Maybe I should let go of that. And it took a while. It didn't happen just overnight. But I prayed for God to help heal my heart from that deep hurt. And then also to imagine there's more to that story than what I experienced. And the more to that story was um, I got to come to church and be loved on and cared for and got to do and be and might have been the very best thing that ever happened to me. So, what do you know about that? Sometimes those things that we are running from or hurting the deepest from turn out to be the healthiest for us. So, why do you do it? I just shared my gut, why I I do it. Perhaps you have a past experience that somebody do you wrong and somehow you still want to carry that wrong around as if it's helping you. I've not ever heard of one story where holding on to a resentment for a really long time turned out to make that person a better person. Have y'all? Seriously, if you do, send me an email like, oh, look, this person had a happy ending because they really lived angrily and hurtfully all the rest of their life, and, and it turned out great. They won the lottery or something. Maybe it is a, a fear of the unknown. Like, I'm imagining that, yes, the Ninevites were horrible, no good people, maybe, but you think all of them were? Every last person that was a Ninevite, you think, is there any chance there was one good Ninevite? I think the cows got a bad rap. I don't think they should have had to wear sackcloth and ashes. But what would have happened if maybe Jonah had said, you know what, I don't know everything I need to know. Maybe I'll go out to dinner with a Ninevite. Are there people in your life that you don't know everything you need to know about them and maybe out to dinner, a cup of coffee, glass of wine would maybe begin to build a relationship where you didn't hate them quite so much? Because we all do that, don't we? We all listen to stories and rumors and, you know, my aunt's sister's brother's doctor said, you know, we chase this crazy story trail of, and it's usually negative. It's usually, it's not hardly ever, oh man, these are the greatest people. What spreads the fastest was rumors about how yucky people are, and we believe it. Do y'all remember the days when the uh, internet first came out? Anybody remember that? It's been in your lifetime, by the way. Remember when it would first come out and people would say, oh, I read that on the internet. What did we all do? Oh, well, must be true. Because only the truth is on the internet, right? I use that a lot of times. I would say, you know what, honey, I read this at www. you know, not really, or whatever. <laughs> but we do that. We will take a little kernel of a piece of information and we will invest all of our gut into that without doing any research as to who, what, or why. Because something in us, sin, whatever, that whole sense of entitlement and self-righteousness, we water it with all of that junk. We water it and water it and water it. And I am convinced nothing good ever comes of that. So let me wrap this up and just say, we have an opportunity, you and me, There might be some people coming along in your life in the coming days that are your Ninevites. Anybody coming to your house that you're not really wild about? They're bringing pie or something like that that you don't really like. 
But you said, yeah, you can bring something, and you really wish they weren't coming anyway. Do you have anybody like that? Yes, you do. Or you're going to their house, and they don't, oh, here's the deal. We didn't even talk about y'all. We might be the dang Ninevites. No way. That can't be. Everybody finds us charming. Every last person. Wow, that's a sermon for another day. But you see where I'm going with that? What if, just what if, work with me here, between now and over the holidays, you said, you know what, I'm going to take one step towards forgiveness and grace and mercy. One step. And maybe, well, I might take two steps. Or maybe I'll just be really honest and I'll face the fact that I've always held this over against that person or that person's aunt who did my mama wrong, maybe it's time to let that stupid old story go, right? Anybody here have an old story like that, an old thing in your family that just floats around? An ex who did you wrong, an ex-boss who did you wrong, an old neighbor who never mowed their, you know, whatever it is, it's usually grown way out of proportion. I'll make y'all a deal. I, I will do that if y'all do that. How many people are on board? All right, that's enough. All right, I'll do it too. Let's, um, let's try to align what we say we believe and the things in this book that we say we adhere to with our daily life. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to, um, all right, I've preached this sermon now three times. Have I, did I already read to y'all Ephesians 4? Oh, we got more time then, okay. Oh, buckle up. All right, so this was like my ringer's thing. I can't believe I forgot this. All right, Ephesians 4, 29, and then 5, 1. This, is, uh, this was the scripture I was going to read to make the point <laughs> the, uh, about how we don't, we say one thing, but we do another thing. Here's what Paul says about that. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. Oh, okay. But only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. How y'all doing on that? Everybody okay with that one? Careful. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Everybody okay with that one? No. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Okay, here's the, here's the pivotal verse, y'all. Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. What's that old saying? How's it working out for you? How are we doing on that? And if you want an example of what that looks like, all you got to do is flip over to Psalms. Uh, Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. So friends, there's one more chapter next week about how this all turns out for Jonah. But in the meantime, I want you to think about how closely your and my living is to aligning with the words of text, the words in the scripture. And uh, it's not too late. 
to run and go the other way, if that would be your happy place. But I would invite you to join me in the coming days. Lean more, lean harder into extending grace. Lean harder into forgiveness. Lean harder in towards getting to know before you cast a vision of hate. What do you say? Are y'all down with that? <laughs> that is not very convincing. Are y'all down with that idea? I'm going to keep preaching until y'all all say yes. Well, I got time. I don't have anywhere to go. What time is the cowboy game? Four o'clock? All right, everybody go get a snack. We're coming back. Let's pray. Gracious God, we hear your word. We read the fine print. And sometimes, well, most of the time, we are very convicted by the fact that we don't always do what you ask us to do. That sometimes we get a lot of enjoyment out of holding on to old hurts and pains and resentments. And when we stop to think about it, we realize really clearly and easily that that does not align with the greater purpose of your design for our lives and for this, your kingdom. God, help us in the coming days to have the courage to say out loud or at least maybe to write down the thing, the person, the entity that we need to learn to forgive. Help us, oh God, learn from Jonah. Help us in your name. Amen. Oh,